Hey there, kids and cadets. It's Tim from the FSF Popcast, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Dragon Buddy, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast. That's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Toby One Kenobi. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access and Big T Little T Podcast. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Hello, this is Hondo Onaka. You are listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Okay, cut. Who has my credits? I must get going. I'm being chased by the Empire after all. Tune into the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Deep dives, geek talk, and an occasional butt. Only on the Red 5 Network. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. <sighs> Let's go live with some sexy music on Baby the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Baby music. We got some people coming in the chat already. All right. Enough of this music. What? You know what? You'll never. Well, you have access to the uh, to the streamyard here, but I do. I could mess this did, all up. Why did they name this song? Hold on a second. Let's get out of this here for a second. <laughs> why did they? Why did they name this song "Feeding the Ducks"? <laughs> That's right. That's why. Uh, I don't it, know. I didn't think that code for the something would be so sexual. <laughs> Feeding the ducks. What an quack, quack. All right, enough of that. Jeez. That's strange. YouTube is weird. How's it going, Shati? <laughs> it's going good. It's going well. Excellent. Um, we got a lot of people in the chat. Thank you, everybody, for showing up tonight. Uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Can't wait to bring him on the show. But uh, Shanti. Uh, this morning, I got a very excited email from our pal Brad, somewhere somewhere out in in the sea there. Um, but he's caught up. He's caught up on Andor, and he is absolutely loving it. Good, I'm glad. We uh, we did a little, yeah, we did a little back and forth. Um, there's some things that uh, that he pointed out, but um, I have a bet going with him and and probably Andrew over at Coruscant Radio Underground. The uh, episode, uh, this last episode, we had Luthen's ship do something really, really cool. Yeah. And some people are interpreting that as uh, lightsabers that came out from the side of a ship. And some people are like, no, they're just laser beams that are on the side of his ship. But, you know, his um, his fascination with uh, Luthen's fascination with kyber crystals and got people people's mind going. So uh, who knows? Um, I might owe uh, a couple of people uh, some drinks, but um, <laughs> who knows? Why don't you read off? Let's read off some names, Shanti. Of uh, who's? Let, let me see who's who's in the chat. Let's go check out the chat here. We've got comics yeah. and cosmetics, <laughs> and we've got Ubaldo. We have our lovely, lovely lunar girl, the Red Five Cruise director. Yeah. 
call her. Very nice. Very nice. We got Miss Nicole Marie. Hey, everybody. And we've got Melanie. Melanie. Who I believe showed you up in the notes. <laughs> I feel shame, Melanie. Thanks for showing uh, me up. We got this person right here, Scarif After Dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got Tina. And wow. Is it like all ladies today? Oh, okay. There's Dale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Dale. Ladies, ladies night at the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Very nice. We got Megan and DB. Oh, they're really rolling in. Dave Richards. Dave. Megan's here? She's not working out or or working or or something? Getting dinner. Getting dinner? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's great. Scuttle buddies. Scuttle buddies. Yes, that is. uh, I hope everybody has uh, caught up to to the Andor show. Uh, But... I'm really excited to bring our guest out. Uh, we we share some synergy. We've been talking for a couple of months. I really wanted to get him on. Um, absolutely. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun show. And uh, everybody in the chat, don't forget, Shanti and Josh are going to be on Scarif After Dark at what, 8.30? 9.30. 9.30. 30. Well, 8.30 my time. 9.30 8.30 road time. Right. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> but... Um, Let's uh, bring our guest out after this. Uh, if you are just coming in, grab your popcorn and your adult beverage. There's plenty of seats up at the front, baby. Let's get this party started. is now the ultimate power in the universe hey everybody i'm gonna put our guest up on top and i'm gonna be down here oh, good. now the microphone completely covers your face Ro. <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> what's up friend how are you clayton hey guys uh very nice to uh to see you and hello to everybody in the chat uh i'm i'm doing well i uh i've been traveling all week so i was looking forward to getting back and and finally being able to sit down and, and connect with you. We had all this stuff going on in the world sure. and uh, yeah. I, had, I had to cancel on you. Thanks to pesky things like midterm elections. Uh, yeah. I forget what other things, what other things came up, but uh, yeah, I was uh, eagerly, eagerly watching the episode uh, on the plane and uh, on the plane back yesterday and then uh, watched it a, a little bit through again today and uh, to kind of get caught up, but yeah, very, very excited to be here on this lovely Saturday night. So I'm, I'm in Denver where it's very, very cold. So uh, I'm oh, yeah. happy to be inside. Happy to be inside <laughs> when it's warm. Well, we, uh, I think we have uh, Miami envy right now with Shanti because uh, you've got some nice weather, obviously, over there. It's cold in Chicago, too. I had to do some uh, city lighting, uh, tree, tree lighting ceremonies last oh, night. Yeah. And uh, on my feet for seven hours, it was brutal outside. Okay. Um <gasps> Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that is the life of a newsman, isn't that right? <laughs> it is, and uh, you know, it's it's you're either you're you know if you can if you can somehow 
engineer a way to be at least close to a restroom and a coffee shop. That's typically how I gauge these things. Like if you're absolutely like, like we were we were in Orlando uh, all week waiting for NASA to launch this rocket, and uh, it was like two o'clock in the morning when it finally launched. But at least we were in this big uh, building where they actually had a, a, a snack bar open and uh, and there Very were nice. restrooms. So it was like, hey, we're good. Very nice. Very nice. we got a lot of people saying hello to you uh, in the chat. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, for folks that don't know you or who you are, what you do, uh, obviously, we see you from time to time on Twitter. We say hello. Um, tell folks what you do. And I earlier I said we have a little bit of a synergy, uh, but um, let everybody know what uh, what the hell I was talking about there. Yeah, so um, I... Uh, for years worked at ABC news and now then was recruited to come join uh, the team at newsy, which is uh, actually changing its name in January uh, to script news. So, um, you know, rebranding is, uh, is so 2023. So we're going to rebrand uh, come to the top of the year, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm basically a, a, a network news correspondent based here in Denver. We go all the way uh, around the country. Uh, you know, we cover stuff, uh, you know, from from politics to, you know, whatever big news story is happening. Uh, very, very middle of the road. Facts only. We're not like we don't lean politically uh, either way, which is great. And uh, then on my, uh, you know, as part of that, I am I am the de facto Star Wars correspondent. I'm kind of the Star Wars nerd uh, <laughs> of the of the organization. And so uh, I've done reporting on and kind of my my the, the stuff i love is like the behind the scenes kind of thing so we'll do a lot of uh uh i've done a lot of i did a at abc i did a half an hour documentary on uh, the sound design of the last jedi um we've done some a bunch of features on uh, skywalker sound and sort of the visual effects of of different films and things like that so uh it's the fun thing uh that i get to do on the side as you can see, I love this stuff and sure. uh, just love talking about it. And and for me, it was always, uh, I, you know, I love love the stories, obviously, like we all do. But um, when Return of the Jedi left theaters in 1983, I kind of thought that was it, like a lot of people did. And so I got into, um, you know, a lot of the ILM behind the scenes stuff. And that's kind of become my uh, my my niche. It's the thing that I that I really, really love. So I get to do that stuff all the time. That is absolutely awesome. Um, I mentioned to you privately uh, in our chat, I work here at NBC uh, and Telemundo here in Chicago. And um, I too am one of the photographers that um, I worked with uh, Usher Qureshi, uh, who um, right. we were, we were the star Wars nerds. So whenever C2E2 <laughs> was here in Chicago and obviously back in 2019, when we had star Wars celebration here in Chicago, uh, yeah. guess who the, guess who the assignment desk assigned the, the entire week to go cover that event. Oh, I must've been tough. Yeah. Must must have been very, tough. It was very, very Sorry, tough. Yeah. That. So yeah. we, um, yeah, absolutely. We're the resident nerds. We were the resident nerds, um, here. So, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, you know, covering everything, like you said, from politics to crime, you know, our stuff is a little bit more news of the day, um, mm -hmm. being, a, being a local NBC affiliate, but, um, it's uh, it's a fun job. Not yeah, always. It's different, all the time. it's different all the time, and you get to meet just the the widest range of, of people, yeah. and and I, I just I, I love it. It's great. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Shanti, you said you did not watch, uh, do a little rewatch of uh, last week's episode or this? No, no. I took like a three hour nap, which is a bad idea. You you, you young people with your naps. (laughs) What up? Oh, come on. Jealous. Just a little, just a little. Um, but, um, you know, we've been covering, we've been kind of dissecting and, and talking about Andor since its inception. Um, Brad and I were very, very happy and optimistic, uh, even before the first episode dropped or the first three episodes dropped. We obviously are, uh, the name of our podcast comes from Rogue One, one of our favorite Star Wars movies, obviously. Um, but it's something that I had high faith that Andor was going to be good. And Shanti, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. Um, but I wanted to get your take um, on on the show, on the series. We are almost done. We've got one last episode in this season. Um, but I wanted to get your take, Clanton. Uh, Clayton, what is, um, what's your take on the show? Uh, how have you found, obviously you're enjoying it, but give us your, uh, your elevator pitch. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> when I was traveling this week, I actually ran into a few people uh, in our headquarters in Atlanta, and uh, inevitably the conversation turned to Star Wars, and a few of them asked me, what do you think of Andor? And I said, uh, have you seen it? And they all, all three of them kind of went, uh, no, not yet. I, I heard it was kind of slow. And uh, one of your guests actually last week mentioned this, uh, which is what I've been saying all along, which is, I just got over the summer and into the fall, I binge watched uh, Better Call Saul. I had never watched. Now I'm watching Breaking Bad. I I had seen a few Breaking Bad episodes in the past, uh, but I got into Better Call Saul first. And that is a show that I I think a lot of people have seen. And so that is the example that I use when I'm talking about Andor, because it is the same kind of very slow, deliberate building of characters. These characters are so far removed from being one-sided. They have multi-dimensions. They have uh, different motivations. They have sometimes changing motivations, um, you know, goals, changing goals, you know, all of these, these, these characters in the storylines that they're building here are very complex. Yeah. And yes, the first three episodes, I agree, were, were slow. And in fact, I, I kind of felt like the trailer, in a way, was a bit of a bait and switch because you look at the trailers and they are just action packed TIE fighters and Star Destroyers and action and explosions and all this stuff. Uh, and then when you finally get into to the episodes themselves, the pace is is much slower. Um, but what, what I found, what I find with Andor, which is exactly the same thing as I found with, with Better Call Saul, which was that it really, when as it slowly builds these plot points and these developments when something big happens it's like it's really big and you really feel the impact of it and you understand the consequences of it and it and and the ripple effects you know how it how it how it's going to affect all of these different characters because you've seen how they are all invested in it and so um that's that's sort of sort of my take it yes it's a slow build but it is totally worth it if you want to if you stick with it absolutely and you know first they announced that they were going to drop the first two episodes and then uh i think towards the last second they they said we're going to do the the first three and everybody's like oh my god and i think (laughs) i think um 
I think that was a good move because the first three episodes do have uh, they end up uh, with a nice little arc, a story arc between young Cassian and, you know, present day Cassian. And, you know, that that shot when they were both looking out the ship's, uh, you know, window uh, was great. It was it was almost like their twin sons moment, their realization of, uh, you know, little Cassian is like, what will my future hold? And and present Cassian was also like, what am I what is my future hold? So it's it's really great. Um, you know, if you look at it that way and I know some people uh, were holding off on watching the show. Um, I'm noticing that um, one of the uh, one of the websites that reports uh, viewing trends that even in the last three days, the show's uh, demand for um, for watching for viewership um, has increased like thirty three and a half percent just in the last uh, 30 days. So I think a lot of people are um, discovering it or listening to other people saying it is slow, but oh my God, it's like the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously yeah. our show, we've, we've really been talking about how great, uh, wonderfully written, um, uh, exquisite act. The acting is amazing. Um, absolutely. Um, what was I going to, I was going to ask you guys something, um, I don't know, but the chat is going insane with Clayton's toys in the background. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one place in the house I'm allowed to keep Everyone's all this. Everyone's loving your ships. Yeah. This, you know, I, it, this was, uh, a, a, if anything good came out of the pandemic, it was that I had all this stuff just sort of sitting around, and I finally decided to uh, go to Home Depot and get some hooks and put it up all on the, on the wall and paint the wall. But uh uh, you know, you, you talked about you talked about people discovering it and and viewership being up, and I and I hope that that continues to be true. And you may have already talked about this at one point, but uh, it was encouraging to see, uh, and, and maybe a sign that it's not getting as many viewers as they want. That they are going to Disney is going to put it out on ABC and on Freeform and on these right. different TV platforms, where hopefully more eyeballs will will catch it. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's a good move. Obviously, you know, uh, Disney and, and um, Disney and ABC are kind of uh, in cahoots there, obviously. Uh, But I think, um, I think as more people experience at least other people's reactions um, there, they'll at least be curious about it. Um, I told Brad, um, our co-host that is uh, in, in, in the Navy, He's uh, out to sea somewhere. He won't be back for a couple of months. But I told him that I'm also I'm almost afraid to go back to regular Star Wars. Um, <laughs> we have been, we have been really spoiled with the uh, with the rich um, content that we've gotten in Andor, and and by that I mean obviously the the chat is talking about the writing um, is uh, there's no wasted uh, word. Um, every you know sometimes wow. you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it once regular, and then once with mm-hmm. the with the captions on. Because if you miss something, you really you have to go back and just really you know dive into to missing um, or picking that up. Yeah, yeah. If anybody was ever a fan of House of Cards, that Kevin Spacey show, uh, Bo Willimon did some writing, uh, a lot of writing for that show, and it's the same to me, kind of. Yeah you know, intrigue, uh, slow build, everybody's kind of, you know, it has a similar feel. Even the music has a sort of similar feel to that show. Uh, but, uh, you know, some of my favorite episodes are the ones that uh, Bo has written. Yeah, there, um, let me ask you guys this, you know, some people, there's always, it's, it's personal. Star Wars seems to be like a personal thing. 
yeah. to mm-hmm. every uh, viewer, every fan. There are certain aspects of Star Wars that need to be in a Star Wars for somebody to say, I, I recognize that as a Star Wars. Um, Andor seems to, to not have a lot of that. And I think that was that's a problem for some fans. You know, where are the Jedi? Where are the stormtroopers? Where are the characters that we know? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, which is cool. You know, we have to understand that it's a big universe. There are other stories that we can kind of experience and 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 tell. And this is what they're doing. Um, you know, even the music is is so different. You don't have those grand themes that we're used to in Star Wars. You know, the John Williams, you know, orchestrations that are so familiar um and you know even in rogue one i still i I was not used to the music being non-john williams and it it slowly grew on me um but is there anything um and i think i asked this last week um but clayton since you're here is there anything in andor that that you're still kind of like uh, a little on the fence about Not really. I mean, it is starting to really uh, uh, come together. I think I think this episode was sort of this this episode uh, in which we really we kind of check in with everybody. Like we saw all the characters in this episode, whereas other episodes we have been very narrowly focused uh, as far as characters. Um, so I, you know, I thought that was I thought that was cool because it was kind of it was kind of really setting up. Uh, I think where the finale is going. Um, the, the the threads seem to be coming together a little bit, uh, but no, I, I can't say that anything really um, th- that there's anything I don't like about it. You know, it is it is stylistically, as you say, you know, different from say the Mandalorian, which is just kind of the fun popcorn story of the week. Uh, you know, and it's just it's just a totally different approach, totally different style. Um, but you know. It, Star Wars has now just gotten so so big, whether it's sure. you know films or the the live action shows or the comics or the novels, all the High Republic stuff that's going on. I mean, there's there's a lot of different Star Wars for a lot of different fans, um, and and you don't necessarily have to like it all, um, but it's uh, so. But yeah, I, there's nothing there's nothing that really really stands out to me about Andor that I think it's it's lacking yet. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, I, I want to get into the episode a little bit, Daughter of Ferrix. Um, and um, there's a lot of stuff in here that, that is um, that is very deliberate as far as the, the filmmaking aspect, the, the, the storytelling. Let's, um, I want to get into it. So we uh, start out with the uh, prison break. Last week we we had some shots of I was sharing the screen and we got some some nice copyright um, um, flags so I won't oh, do no. that again this week. Um, anyways, we we start out with the prison break from the previous show. There are some one of the things that I'm really really loving about Andor, and I think it's something that um, Book of Boba Fett didn't have, even uh, Kenobi didn't have. There are some amazing wide shots mm-hmm. um in andor some some shots that really um help you sell the environment yeah. the grand scope of of the locations that we are in um so this this first shot where we have cassian and melchi hanging off the side of a cliff 
um, hiding from the um, it's not a TIE fighter, but it's Imperial. It's an Imperial. And I forgot what the name of the ship was. Uh, we see it in Rogue One, actually, a little um, a little Easter egg Striker? there. The Striker? Yeah, right. Um, but there's 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 this shot that just comes around and you see the ship go overboard. And then, you know, the shot just kind of, you know, pans around and you see them really tiny in the frame and it just keeps on going and it just kind of, you know, trucks in and, and it's just a beautiful shot. And they do that. They do a lot of that stuff. And I think it's one of the things that sets this show apart from any of the other um, small screen Star Wars. Um and we and, literally start with a cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, one of the things that I love too is um, last last week's episode, they were, was it last week or the week before they were talking about no one is listening. Um, you know, the Imperials don't care. Right. They're in the prison. So nobody's listening. Um, Cassian here is talking directly to Melchi and Melchi's like hanging on for dear life. And he doesn't think that he can make it. And um, and Cassian says, I'm I'm listening. I'm listening, you know, and it's, it's kind of a great little parallel of characters here, because I think, you know, Cassian Cassian meets his uh, his friend here, you know, for the first time. We obviously see him later on in row one, but he's uh, he's learning how to be, um, I guess, a, a friend, a team player, a leader, mm-hmm. um, which which I find uh, I find great. Me too. Um, I, I, totally, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I actually I think that as each episode has gone on, and I think this is this is how and, and just another example of how the character is building along with the show yeah. is that each episode seems to have uh, Cassian interacting with somebody important and new that teaches him a different aspect about what he's going to have to do down the road. Uh, and I think I think uh, Luthen does that. I think I think Melchi does that uh, to an extent. Um, so yeah, it's it's you, you can almost see every week, every episode how uh, how that character is developing and building into something big. I'm seeing a less and less selfish and yeah. Yeah. yeah sure mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely totally. Mm-hmm. yeah totally. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting um, feeling for me. You know, obviously we know what happens to his character in Rogue One, but every episode I'm like, you know, I'm biting my fingernails because it's so suspenseful and you want to get to the next episode because you want to know what what happens next. And obviously, you know, we know, like I said, we know what the uh, fate of the character is, but it's just it's structured so well story wise, character wise. Even the background characters are fun to watch. They're um, fun to listen to and get to know. Um, you know, characters like Brasso, uh, Cassian's uh, friend on Ferrix, um, Cinta, um, Vel, obviously. These are these are very well written characters, and I think obviously the actors that portray these characters really uh, are are doing a fantastic job. Let you know, let alone the main characters like uh, Genevieve O'Reilly. Who is uh oh my gosh, she's, she's, she's so good blowing that role out of the water. Um, yeah. I want to ask you guys this. So the you know, we um we get to see spoilers for everybody that has not seen it, we get to experience Marva's death off screen. And I wanted to ask you guys um what you thought of that. Um, and even uh, even more to hit you in the feels, we get to experience it almost through the eye, well, directly through the eyes of the droid, B2 uh, Emo. 
um, which adds another um, another layer of uh, of emotion. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys think of that? Well, just like uh, Batman never seems to get Alfred wrong, Star Wars never gets the droids wrong. Yeah. I love every single droid that we have to end up connecting with. And it is amazing to me how they get us to care about something that we in the real world just see as something that is completely emotionless. So it's amazing to me that Star Wars has always given these droids a soul, essentially, because experiencing her quote unquote death, because there's a lot of conspiracies out there right now that she may not actually be dead. Right. We didn't actually see it happen. But man, I really... I teared up like I'm sure a lot of people did. You really felt the grief that this little droid was going through. Yeah. <clears throat> Just hits you in the feels. Yeah, it really did. I, I think that was my favorite part of the episode was, was mm -hmm. B2's reaction to her death. Um, and, and I think, I think, I hope that uh, it, it isn't, it isn't uh, a red herring because I think that it would, it, you know, carried a, a, a really poignant gravity uh, having having her die. I mean, we, we knew, you know, th that that is the thing that is going to trigger all of these people coming back to right. Ferrex, uh, including Cassian. Uh, so so I don't I don't think her death was was faked. I think that she, you know, in that speech that she gave when they when they saw each other for the last time, um, and she said, I can't leave and you cannot stay. I think that right. I think that if I think she knew I think she knew and I and I think that she would have stuck to this idea that she she couldn't um, have him come back. Um, you know, because she knew she knew she probably knew her death would would cause him to come back. So I don't think that that uh, for that reason, she would have she would have faked it and put him in in that kind of jeopardy. But uh but yeah, watching that droid, and, and you talked about you talked about droids in in Star Wars, and it really yeah, it's true. From from 1977, we we knew immediately that droids were these emotional uh, <laughs> characters. Yeah, uh, C3PO getting mad at R2 and sort of the yeah. petulant child behavior, and now we really see it with with B2. I just thought that was a really uh, really uh, sweet and emotional way to to portray that. I mean, he gets so worked up, he shakes the the cut, cup right yeah. off of him. Uh, so I thought that was I thought that was well played. Probably one of my favorite parts of the episode. He didn't yeah. want to leave. He just wanted to yeah. stay. I know, <laughs> so heartbreaking. Sad. He convinces the guy to stay just one night. And, yeah. you know, yeah. It's so heartbreaking. And I, you know, I, you're right. I, I think uh, George Lucas did set us up to really relate to the droids. I mean, you know, I think in previous um, previous science fiction, I mean, they were just, you know, there were just robots, autonomous right. automatons, and and uh, something about, you know, obviously Anthony Daniels' wonderful portrayal of, of C-3PO, and uh, you know, Kenny Baker under the hood there with uh, with R2D2. I think. Um, I think that really set the stage for for the relatability of these characters, uh, not just uh, R2 and 3PO, but the entire franchise. I think there's a lot there. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I thought that uh, they did deliberately, I think it was very um, interesting that they chose to to show the audience uh, Marva's death off screen. Um, not only 
did uh, not only will Cassian feel that um, that death hard, I think the audience will too because we didn't get to see her. So when later on in the episode, later on when when Cassian finds out, I think it hits us twice. It hits us doubly um, because you know we we didn't experience. You know we see obviously the end results. You there's a shot. There's a wonderful shot of um, of uh, the droid's eye just looking at uh, the you know, of, of the, the people rolling Marva's body outside of the, of the hut there, and then just going down yep. the street. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, and if you weren't crying, then you, you're right, chat, you do have a heart of stone. Cause <laughs> really, I mean, really great. Very well done. And it is just having her gone at the end of, at the beginning of that episode is just kind of a shock, uh, yeah. which, which yeah. is effective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we obviously get uh, hints of uh, people spying on Cassian's house. Yeah. Um, we've got Cinta uh, working at the uh, corner Starbucks there, <laughs> wiping some things down. <laughs> and uh, we also have the Imperial officer that, um, you know, last week uh, we talked with Sean over at Extra Star Wars and uh, we were talking about how and I, I, I didn't notice it at first. Mm-hmm. Previously, there were shots of this Imperial just standing there watching the house. And then, you know, when you get to the scenes of the ISB, he's also there, too. And I'm like, right. I didn't ma- I didn't make the connection. I like, oh my God, it's the same the yeah. same mm-hmm. actor. And then obviously now uh, it's a little bit more you know obvious. He's on the radio telling you know, whoever, you know, to keep an eye on, on this house. Um, really great. What do you guys, um, what do you guys think of, you know, we were talking about background characters. What do you guys think of Cinta? Hmm. I don't really have much to say on her to tell you the truth. She, you know, she hasn't done a lot, but I think no. when she's, when she's on camera, she, uh, the actress has such a great um, presence, um, deliberate, even in her subtleties, if yeah. the, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I like Vel more. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard. Uh, you know, she was so hardcore in that conversation mm-hmm. with Vel uh, a few episodes back, uh, and just right. being all about all about the cause, uh, not the yeah. not the relationships. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out, and how uh, perhaps her character. You know, the best stories have characters that undergo some sort of change. So we'll see. We'll see how it impacts her. Yeah. Um, our friend Tina says that Cinta is cold. Very. And um, yeah, I mean, she is all about the rebellion and all about what she's doing. Um, she says that comes first. Relationships are what's left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think I kind of like that. I, you know, get to the nitty gritty. What are we here for? You know what I mean? Absolutely. I like that. Um, Clayton, you talked about uh, behind the scenes of Star Wars and things like that. I wanted to get your thoughts on the aesthetics of, of Andor, the look and feel. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I love the contrast. Just watching all the episodes, uh, seeing the, the very cold, uh, colorless, imperial uh, uh, settings and sets. I love how they're using real... Uh, locations that are sort of these brutalist uh, industrial type uh, settings uh, around around England, I guess, uh, and incorporating them into the into the shots, and then you contrast that to 
what Ferrix looks like, for example, which is very earth tones, uh, you know, yeah. the, the colors are muted, but you look at the costumes and the, the colors of the, the clothing of the, the citizens on Ferris, they're very colorful. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. a, it's, it's, it's all, it's sort of a rainbow of colors, just kind of, kind of a, a, a muted palette. But, um, as far as uh, so, so that's kind of the, the look of it. But I will say this episode had uh, for me a great mashup, and I'm wondering if the folks in the chat caught this too. Sort of the prequel trilogy and the uh, sequel trilogy mashup in that scene where Cass and uh, and uh, uh, Melshi get get trapped in the nets by the 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 guys who reminded me totally of Dexter Jetster. And then oh, yeah. you had the quad jumper from uh, right. Force Awakens. I thought, oh, yeah. wow, we're like, we're like, you know, for a show that doesn't apparently do fan service, it was like, hey, there's a cool yeah. kind of a uh, right. up there. I love, I love that. Yeah. I was reading somewhere that uh, the Gilroys, you know, obviously they've always said, okay, we're not like super uber Star Wars fans, but obviously there's somebody in the story group kind of injecting a little bit of yeah. that. You, yeah. have to, <laughs> you have to make sure that the lore, uh, you know, gets uh, gets thrown in there. Um, but um, yeah, as far yeah, as far as yeah, I mean, just I'm I'm really loving it. I mean. Um, looking at um, something that impressed me, which is a, a little bit of a detail, that quad jumper, the sound design, when it takes off, you've got, you know, they did that in Mandalorian too with with uh, with the Razor Crest, but you know, the thrusters when it lifts off, there's a panel on that quad jumper that's kind of uh, vibrating because it's taking off and the wind is kind of taking it off. But you you feel you can feel how old that ship is, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, getting back to um, let's talk a little bit about Luthen. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of uh, talk yeah. on in obviously in the chat, but also on on the Twitterverse uh, regarding Luthen and uh, not only how badass his ship is, but just his character. You know, who is this guy? Are we going to learn um, a little bit more about him at the uh, at the end here? Will he survive? Why is he not in the original trilogy? What's going on? No, he's totally going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's, a, it's a really great question. I think I think at least for now and probably through the finale, I'm guessing he'll kind of remain a, a bit of an enigmatic character. Um, mm -hmm. I he, he is. I, I hadn't really thought about. I, I saw a little bit of the chat about uh, about the idea that because the, the kyber crystals and the, the lightsabers on the ship or whatever that was. Uh, about the big possibility or the you know the, the speculation that he could be some sort of Jedi or force sensitive something or other. I, yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, but he is a fascinating character, right? This whole subplot of him basically setting up this guy to be to be eliminated just so he can protect sources right. and, and yeah. And keep keep the ISB thinking that they are uh, in have control. Have the upper hand. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to watch him do that, and and you can tell that he is not doing this lightly. I mean, he's clearly made his decision, but he's not doing this lightly. And the the reason I say that, and what stood out to me, is in that scene with Saw. Uh, as Saw would say, "Oh, you're talking about thirty men," and he would say, "Plus." This other guy, I'm forgetting his name. I wrote it down. What's his name? Anto Grieger. Krieger. 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 
and he would say he would say thirty plus Krieger, right. and he yeah. said that twice. He said that yeah, twice, and that was just to me, uh, uh, you know, that was just a, a I think a, a standout point about his character that he uh, he he understands uh, clearly the stakes because he's not sure. even willing to to round the numbers, you know, when it comes to the people that are right. going to be sacrificed. He's he wants to be precise because he knows he knows the the, the stakes. And I loved that scene because Saw is so surprised, taken aback. Yeah, I mean, it was actually surprising for me because I'm not the biggest fan of the Saw character, but even seeing his surprise at having to sacrifice this one guy, I was like, "Oh, but you're Mister. You don't, you know, don't really care about all the casualties." So it was an interesting scene for me. That was my favorite scene actually in the entire episode. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, and the I way wasn't blamed it on tubes. And yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, tubes is, is I love tubes badass. as a character. Yeah, I um I was I was surprised that somebody was able to uh, to surprise Saw. Yes, um, because it. it's it seemed like you know he is so into high security. He's uh, very cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saw Guerrera obviously. And, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, if you read the novels, if you read some of the comic books, I mean, Saw Gerrera does not take prisoners. Uh, you know, he's very deliberate in his, his, um, his actions. He, you know, if he needs to eliminate an Imperial, he'll, uh, he'll throw a bomb in a crowd and he will not care about collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very surprising to, uh, to see him kind of, uh, you know, get, uh, get duped, um, yeah. by, by Luthen, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, tells me obviously what kind of, uh, what kind of character Luthen is. Um, they're almost neck and neck. I feel, you know, they're, you know, you know, Clayton, you said it, he was willing to sacrifice 30 men plus, uh, Krieger, yeah. um, just to make yeah. sure that the I- ISB was, uh, not looking in his direction. Well, and I think it starts to set up a little bit of the. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's paranoia in this scene where Saw, I think, realizes on some level, if he doesn't say it out loud, but I think he does realize that, you know, Luthen is is selling out Krieger in this case. Luthen could just as easily be selling out Saw Guerrera. And I think yeah. he he realizes that, and then that paranoia starts to set in, and there's even that that sort of humorous exchange where Luthen claims that two tubes is, is his source, is his plan. <laughs> uh, organization. And, uh, and, and uh, tubes uh, rightfully so gets, gets pretty uh, hot pretty under the collar. There, about yeah. that. Uh, but it really yeah. does, you know, that, that is sort of this initial glimpse of uh, just uh, how and why saw becomes so paranoid and unhinged uh, when Jin comes to see him in Rogue one. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah. I think, you know, watching um, when we are finished with, I guess, even season one, you know, it'd be great to, to see if, if uh, rewatching rogue one gives us any other insight or interpretation, obviously we've got this, you know, the same writers, you know, on, on both properties. So it'd be really interesting to, to see if uh, we, we take anything from that. Um, I love it. Love it. Sure. Um, let's see what else. So I, um, the, I might have to talk to my therapist about this, but I really love Deidre. 
Okay. <laughs> she's my, I mean, what's she's not our love? She's, she's my girl. She's great. Yeah. She's decisive. She's scary. Her lines with her. Uh, with Bix when they started the interrogation. Poor Bix. Yeah. She, she, she is did, messed up. She looked pretty Good haggard thing. in this episode. Yes. You know, and again, um, the acting, like I felt for her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The acting and A plus oh, for God. makeup. She looked awful. Yeah. She looked really oh. beat up. And, you know, this is the first time, you know, obviously we get um, glimpses of a torture with Vader and Leia. Uh, we don't get glimpses. We just get, you know, our imagination, I guess, when that that torture droid comes in. Yeah. But, um, you know, this, uh, you know, with what was that doctor, Dr. Gorst, um, when yeah. they introduced that uh, that audio, um, you can just imagine how. Uh, how horrible that was, but we really, we're really getting to see, I guess, the brutality of the empire um, probably for the first time, you know, up front, uh, up, up close and personal. Um, obviously the destruction of an entire planet is a little too, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, removed cause you're just pushing a button and destroying a planet and whatever. But this is, a, this is a little personal, um, we're getting a really great glimpse of of how uh, how evil the the empire is. Um, what do you, what do you guys think of the empire in Andor? I love it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Charlie. I mean, I just I I've always you know since you know since I was a kid and watching Star Wars, obviously, I always went with the good guys. I think it's just a natural thing. But now as I've gotten older, I've kind of started to switch sides, and the empire is just <laughs> so cool now to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. This is I, really I, making I, me like them. Yeah. I think the bad guys in this, the Imperials, uh, are just uh, across the board are are fantastic. Whether it's Deidre or, or her boss, uh, all the way down, all the way down the line to you know the lower, the lower ranking folks. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I the the guy on the uh, the captain on the on the uh, arrestor star destroyer right is that what it's called um oh yeah the Luthen comes into contact with i mean he yeah. he was great they all have they all seem to have this uh you know ha having been a little kid when i first saw star wars this tarkin level menace about them that is just so good yeah tarkin all the tarkins yeah <laughs> even, even shirtless tarkin no, no, you know, you know, I was no. going to bring that up. No, <laughs> never show that to me again. Oh man. The arrestor cruiser Cantwell class. And, um, I love that, uh, that reference, uh, too. wonderful artist, uh, Colin Cantwell. We just lost him. What, uh, two years ago last year, I forgot. What was yeah. it? But, uh, he is, uh, responsible for designing many of the ships, um, that we all know and love from this franchise. So that was really, really great. Again, obviously, you know, having somebody on the star Wars team to be able to kind of insert all that stuff really, um, really ties the, the galaxy together, um, for, for us fans, whether they're, you know, Easter eggs or fan service or not, I think, um, you know, even this show I think is doing fan service, um, pretty good. I think so. It's not like over the top. It's not like, no. you know, Walrus Man and 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 what's his name, you know, just happened to be on on um, on Jetta City. But um, 
I think I think this is great. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest complaints that I hear is that there's not enough aliens in the show. What do you uh, what do you think, Clayton? Mm. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, we, we haven't seen. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I would agree with that because a, a bunch of them walk around uh, and mingle at, at Mon Mothma's parties. Uh, yeah, kind of got a look for them. Um, we had a, we had that great uh, moment uh, in this episode with a couple of a uh, couple of. Uh, fisherman guys um yeah. we had uh we had the aliens we had the 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 alien couple sleeping in the hotel as cassian went back to collect his uh sure. uh his his stolen uh, credits uh, which also yes sure reminded me of rogue one that was the same type of same type of alien that was in Jin's uh, uh jail cell um yeah so we don't we don't seem to have a lot of but but they are to be fair, I guess to address the, the the criticism, they are background characters, right? They are yeah. they are not main characters in the same way that you would have seen um, in in other in other shows, say an animated show like Rebels or something like that, right. or a Maz Kanata, for example. Yeah, we we haven't seen we haven't seen that uh, that level of of main or or supporting character that happens to be an alien. So yeah, I guess I guess I see the point. And I read somewhere that Tony Gilroy is aware of that um, situation. And, I, th it, you know, we might come to uh, see some sort of explanation of why uh, we don't see many aliens. You know, we're talking about the situations that uh, that individuals are um, are finding themselves in with uh, with the Empire and more so the humans rather than the aliens. You know, we do see a lot of aliens, but in on the fringe. Right. Um, yeah. The last episode when uh, the the ISB uh, spy went down to the, uh, the nether regions of Coruscant, we saw a lot of aliens in the alleyways. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see why it, you know, I'm looking forward to an explanation if there is one. Um, I, I really don't mind uh, that we're not seeing a lot of aliens. Um, again, we might have been spoiled already because, you know, the first movie, we get all these aliens in the cantina there. Um, but uh, but I know. also feel like that's the only reference that people continue to throw out. Yeah. So it makes me want to think about, well, how much do all of these alien like creatures really then play a role if the only thing people ever spit out is the cantina scene sure. in New Hope? Yeah. You know, like, really, just how important is this? to the story so maybe he just doesn't want the distraction i mean i'm okay. not saying i don't want to see aliens at all but i guess how important really is it and also when are we going to take bets on when cyril karn is going to murder his mother <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah he's uh it's interesting because they're really stretching out his whatever i want to know why too yeah whatever like his arc really is stretching his story out especially yeah. now that he's raided her uh, safe and taken all of her all of her money right yeah yeah what uh any bets on what uh what he has in his secret box that his mom uh apparently snooped in uh the rope that he's going to use to <laughs> kidnap dedra <laughs> more cocoa buffs space cocoa puffs <laughs> Yes, exactly. He is in love with crazy eyes. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we are 11 episodes in uh, a couple of days for the finale. Uh, they start shooting season two at the end of the month. And uh, I'm very excited. One of the things that somebody had mentioned is uh, they were surprised at how well this, this series is using just a few um, a few sets and a few locations. You've got obviously Mon Mothma's um, apartment. Mm -hmm. You've got Luthen's um, Etsy shop. Right. You've got um, Cassian's. <laughs> you've got Cassian's, um, you know, home. Um, but they, you know. As expansive, I think, as this series is from a budgetary standpoint, mm -hmm. I think they're doing a really good job of. Um, yeah, it's you know, almost like a play. Like these are <clears throat> the main focuses, and we're only going to yeah. give you these, you know, three to four locations, and that's it, which I'm fine with. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Um, any, um, any final thoughts? I want to ask one quick question. What is your um what is everybody's um standout moments in this last episode the uh daughter of Ferrix I know Clayton mentioned um uh, you know yeah already, so but I I will say that uh for me I, I think one of the most significant moments and maybe one of my maybe my my second favorite moment of the episode after uh after B2 uh, was the moment after Cassian learns that uh, Marva is dead and he comes back out and he and Melshi talk about they're standing there on the beach, right? And mm -hmm. the sunset is happening and Melshi talks about uh, all the space and all the fresh air. And for me, that moment felt very significant because it felt like uh, a bookend to to Rogue One. This is mm -hmm. that was his end. He and Jin on the beach, and yep. uh, and at the end of Rogue One, this you know it was all leading up to this moment. This all everything he has been through, all the trials, tribulations, the prison, everything. Now Marv is dead. Now his mother is dead. Mm -hmm. This is where his adventure begins, and it felt very mm -hmm. appropriate to have it on that beach with the sunset. It just felt like a, a beginning bookend to, to Rogue One for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great I definitely picked up on that right away. That was definitely a standout moment for me. And then along with just the whole conversation that went down between Saw and, uh, and Luthen, mm -hmm. that was definitely a standout for me. I think Saw Gerrera for me is, is uh, such a wonderful character. He's one of my favorites. And I know, you know, people, uh, you know, people don't like the fact that he represents such uh, brutality. Mm -hmm. um, but from, you know, from the beginning, when, when we introduced, uh, when we first see him in the Clone Wars, um, what was the, uh, the Onderon, um yeah. episodes? Um, you know, you, you kind of understand from that perspective, you kind of understand his motivation. And that is one of the cool things about um, all the characters in Star Wars. We, you know, you yeah. understand their motivation, especially um, because Star Wars is so vast now. There's like, you know, you guys were saying earlier, there's there's something for everyone. But the stories really, um, you know, we can't just stick. I don't think we can't just stick with just one time period because there's a lot of stories and a lot of characters that we can kind of get to know. Um, but, um, you know, what a time to be a Star Wars fan, eh? Yeah. Yep. Another standout moment for me is 
uh, Mon Mothma's daughter. The way oh, she, yeah. yeah. The way she gives these knowing glances, yeah. you know, when she was, when Mon was talking to Vel, it just made me feel like, is her own daughter spying on her? Like, she just gives these looks like she's really taking in, you know, what her mother is doing. Yeah, it's interesting as, as you know, when... Like, does when... she report back to that dipshit parent? <laughs> I still, you know, I still have, I still have a feeling that parent's going to turn out to be something I can't totally deal with different. you yeah. and Josh and DB <laughs> with this parent. I think it's an act. <laughs> you no, go back. I swear, I hope you guys are wrong. Yeah, we'll see. We might owe uh, a whole bunch of people some drinks on our bets here. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Never going to hear the end of it. But, um, you know, as parents, you know, people say that no matter what the parents are doing, the, the kids always seem to pick up on things. Oh, yeah. So I think maybe know, maybe there's a little bit of that in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, it was interesting, too, to see uh, Vel and, and Mon Mothma, you know, when when what's her name? Leda, when they were doing that, like little religious thing with her friends. Um, yeah. It was kind of interesting to kind of introduce that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um but um, yeah, you know, again, going back to it, it just seems like every character here is worth diving into. You got to watch um, everybody. You got you do definitely have to watch really every do. everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, this is definitely playing out like uh, like uh, an HBO drama. And uh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. It's like a whodunit. Love it. Yeah. Um, one last thing. Predictions. What will be the end scene for the next episode? Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. They've the been end. a ghost this whole time. Um, I, I, I do have an idea. I, I think, I think after all of these people come together on Ferrix and there is some big blowout uh, because they're all, they're all going to be there. It's, it's the big finale climax. Um, I think the last scene, I don't know how it's going to happen, how they'll, how they'll stage it. But I think the last scene is going to be Cassian's sister showing up. Oh, I, was I, to show I totally up. forgot about yes. that. That was such an important thread at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. Marva, I think the last, I think the last reference to it was when Marva said, stop looking for your sister many yeah. episodes God. ago. But I'm thinking that, that maybe she shows up and she may be an Imperial. I'm just saying. It could very well be. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She may. What if she's Emphis Nest? <laughs> <laughs> Brad, oh, I know. I saw Brad, Brad. Brad was talking about how he wanted to see Emphis Nest um, in the show. So maybe who knows? We'll see. But, you know, the Imperial oh. thing might be interesting because, um, you know, I know a lot of people did not watch Resistance, but there was a lot of. Um, interesting stuff happening with those characters. Um, you know, one of the characters switched to the uh, to the first order, um, kind of ostracizing her her friends, and they were um, at odds with each other. So who knows? You know, there is you know there is that aspect of good versus evil. You know, um, relationships relationships being you know upended. So yeah, it, it would be an interesting uh, dynamic uh, between the two. You know, Cassian finds out that her sister is doing stuff that the Empire is doing and vice versa. How uh, how would that affect uh, their characters? I think that'd be great. 
interesting at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome sauce. Uh, Clayton, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been fantastic. I'm glad uh, you uh, finally joined us. I love it. I, I hope we get to do it again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You have an open invite here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And just as a reminder, we can be found everywhere you find your other favorite podcasts. And uh, we do have a hotline. We'd love to hear your voice. We love hearing um, your opinions, your thoughts, your uh, interactions. Uh, give us a call at 773-234-8659 or shoot us an email at scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com. Uh, we have another show, uh, part of the Red 5 Network, that is coming up uh, in about half an hour. Shanti, why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about us? I'll run this crawl cool. to make sure people know. Join me and Josh, Sith Care Bear, Parent Lover, on <laughs> Tariff After Dark. <laughs> At 9.30, we have a very special guest, Delicious Rum. But <clears throat> it is viewer's choice. We got two uh, topic suggestions, one at the back in June before the show even premiered. So, uh, you know, kind of since Thanksgiving is next week, we kind of want to give thanks back to our viewers. So we're doing these uh, two topics, which is how to how to be a sexy nerd and um, have past film roles that have been a little bit more on the salacious side. Do they affect how you're seeing these characters, these actors now when they're playing with the more nerdy characters? So like just seeing Rosario Dawson half naked in Sin City affect how you see her now in Ahsoka. So we're going to delve into that. And um, the link will be pinned in the chat room. So it's an open invitation. If you guys just want to drop in and say hi or give your opinion on the topic, you're more than welcome. We're having a party, having a party at 930. So everyone's welcome. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Clayton, I know everybody is saying, um, how wonderful it was for you to be here with us and yes, hanging out. Um, where can people find you just to say hello there? I had fun. Yeah. Uh, for now, until it implodes, I'm still on Twitter uh, <laughs> at, at Clayton underscore Sandell. Uh, and then if, uh, you know, if that goes to hell in a handbasket, we'll figure something else out, but I'm still there, still there for now. I think I still see the autopilot engaged. So I think we're good. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you guys for joining us. If you uh, started watching us late, we uh, I hope we you uh, I hope you T-vote it because we'll uh, we'll be here uh, for a while. So thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast with my co-host Shanti and uh, wonderful friend Clayton Sando. We'll see you out there in the real world. Talk to you guys later. And that's the Scuttlebutt. <laughs>